Amen. Praise God. So let me just say this also in the area of, uh, in connection to our giving, Pastor Tim was talking about our giving. I'm excited. Man, we got our first set of glass doors in, the entryway door. They're, they're, they've started working on the air conditioning, heating and air conditioning over there. We're going to get them started. I'm putting the sprinklers in, so we're finishing stuff up. And uh, so things are moving forward. Amen? Exciting times, and so, uh, and with that, uh, I'm believing God at just my, my minimum faith. I'm believing God for exceedingly abundant above all that I could ask or think, amen. But I'm believing God for us to break a hundred thousand dollars this year in our giving, amen. We're twenty-one thousand dollars away for our building fund, we're at seventy-nine thousand four hundred and eighty-three dollars so far this year. So, I believe we could hit a hundred thousand and go over, amen, and keep us moving forward because we're paying cash for everything in what we're doing, amen. Hallelujah. So God is good. He's well able, and we're believing God for it. So as the Lord speaks to you on what you could do, you can give online or, or through the app, or you can write a check for $150,000 and put it in any one of these boxes on the walls. Amen. And I'll give you all the popcorn you want, Wednesday, Thursday. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody say God's good. Amen. And then thank you for being a part of Operation Christmas Child and blessing uh, the kids and that. That's such a blessing. And uh, I think over 15 million of those go out worldwide and touch lives. And I think about 9 to 10 million that are coming out from the United States this year. So thank you for being a part of that. Amen. Well, are you ready this morning? Did you bring your Bibles? Amen. Let's make our declaration this morning. You guys ready? Come on, declare it with me. Here we go. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you today that it's your desire that every one of us would walk in the victory that is ours through the life and the shed blood of your son, Jesus Christ. So, Father, today we pray that by your spirit, you will give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive your word in Jesus' name. And somebody said, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Um, well, this morning, I'm excited in uh, kind of tackling this this morning. I'm going to do it from a little bit different. Area. I want to read some different scriptures to you. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Starting there, and we're going to read several passages of Scripture before we dive into this. This morning I'm going to talk to us about and minister this message on winning the battle of unbelief. And unbelief is one of our greatest challenges. We don't talk about it much. It's, it's like the tolerated sin. But unbelief is a sin. Unbelief is a sin. And uh, if, if you read Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8, it says all unbelievers will have their part in the lake of fire. So unbelief is listed with every other sin that we think people go to hell for or that God would judge people for. But unbelief is a sin. <clears throat> it's a transgression against God. And so in that, it is important how we attack that. And so the way we deal with that is by faith. But I want, I'm going to read some scriptures to you just about warfare in dealing with that. How many of you ever heard people talk about spiritual warfare? Amen. Well, then we go out, we're like, we're going to fight all these devils and demons all over the place. The biggest battle of spiritual warfare that you have is right between your two ears. It's getting your mind renewed to the truth of God's word and knowing how to walk in that. Amen. And so warfare is understanding how to use the armor of God. So Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, 
And you can follow along with me. Finally, my brethren, Paul's put into conclusion to everything that he said. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of what? So let me, everybody just look up here just for a moment. Be strong in who? The Lord. And in the power of what? His might. So your strength is in Him and your might come from Him. Are you doing all right? If you're fighting this battle, you're operating in your own strength. You're operating in some realm of unbelief. If you're not being strong in the Lord, if you don't know who you are in Christ and know how to stand strong in the Lord, then you have unbelief operating in your life. And if you feel like you're wore out, I just don't have the strength, I don't have that, then you, you, you succumb to a lie. Because Paul says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. It's not about you, but it's about who he is in you. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Are you doing all right? So we might get to the message. We might not. Praise the Lord. So be strong in the Lord. Now watch. Put on the whole armor of who? The whole, so who's doing all the supplying here so far? So what, what is your part in this so far? Just agreement. God hasn't asked you to do anything except just to agree that he is your strength. He is your might. Amen. And he is your covering. He is your provision and protection. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the schemes, the tricks of the devil. So that means you have an adversary coming against you. You're in a battle whether you want to be in one or not. You live in conflict whether you want to or not. So God is preparing us to win. Verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this day. How many know we see that all around us, that there's a darkness around the world? The darkness of this day against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So in that area, God has purpose that we would be able to stand victorious no matter what is going on. The Bible says in the last days, perilous times will come. And we're seeing that more and more on a global level. The whole thing about this pandemic that, 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 that has me intrigued is not so much about how ignorant and how manipulative our government has been. It's how this whole thing is global. And the global impact, and the Bible talks about as Bible prophecy is fulfilled, that there are global events to take place, and those are the things that we need to have some discernment about. Are you doing okay? Let, let me just interject this right here. I, I, I love America. I'm, I'm, I'm red, white, and blue. I'm a patriot. I'm everything else. But God could give a flying rip about America. God is not into nations. He's into people. And when we understand that, when we get as concerned about saving souls as we are about saving our nation, if we had the same drill, the same, the, the same desire, the same heart to see people saved as we are to preserve the, what we think are rights and liberties in our nation, we'd, we would see a revival in America. So, so God cares about that, but he only cares about America because America was given to him. It was dedicated to him. But then through the years, man has taken it back. So, so God is not a God about nations. He, he's a God of people in nations. He wants souls redeemed. Amen? So think about, let me just kind of clarify that. If you read your Bible, the end of the Bible is all the nations of the earth will be judged. God is going to judge every nation. He's going to hold every nation accountable for how they respond to his word. He sends us as missionaries into nations 
to reach people. And you establish his kingdom by reaching one at a time. The kingdom of God is people. Are you doing all right? Okay, I'm kicking some of your cows, but that's all right. Hallelujah. A lot of people got a lot of national sacred cows. The church gets political where it shouldn't, but we'll move right along. Amen. So watch our tape. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. Verse 14. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with true, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking what? Above all, taking what? The shield of faith, whereby you may quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Go with me with 2 Corinthians chapter 10. So we're talking about the battle of unbelief. And the primary thing that, that, that the armor was, it said, above all, take the shield of faith. How many know faith is opposite of unbelief? Yeah. Amen. So the primary thing, so that part of our warfare is dealing in this area. We also get, I want to read one verse out of this in the Amplified to you as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and look at verses 3 through 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our what? Our warfare. So we're talking about the battle against unbelief. Now what? Are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of what? Stronghold. Now let me just, everybody look up here just for a minute. Where, where, where are your strongholds? Right between your ears. Okay? There, there are thoughts, there are concepts, there are reasoning that, that cause you to work against the revealed and, and, and declared word of God. Okay, they, they get a grip on your mind and they argue and they reason against God. I'll prove it to you. Verse 5, watch it. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing what? Every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That you bring your thoughts, your mindset into the obedience to the word of Christ. And I'm preaching this today because we are living, the church today is living on an age where you're going to have to know how to live by faith. Amen. America has enjoyed a great season of prosperity, a great season of peace. But everything is on the precipice and nobody knows which way it's going to go. We're kind of on that razor's edge thing to go either way right now. How many understand what I'm saying? And people go, well, you know, I have great faith in America. Yeah, America is awesome. You can live as connected or, or as disconnected as you want. You can live in a city or you can live in Timbuktu. We were hunting in Timbuktu this last week. I bet there are people out in the middle of nowhere. I think, man, what if you run out of milk? It's like four days to the grocery store. Man, but so, so you can live at, at, right next to a store. You can be out where you have the right and the privilege and the honor. But there are people right now who are living by faith that are living in Turkey, that are living in Iran, that are living in Iraq and other places. And they are walking by faith. They are dressed in the whole armor of God. They're standing strong in the Lord. And they have no convenience as they do. They just know that if anybody finds out that they're a Christian, their life is on the line. But they choose to be strong in the Lord. Amen. And they're warned against a battle of unbelief. Are you doing all right? And so the church in America, I'm excited because we're getting a wake-up call. You're going to have to be a real Christian finally. Amen. 
But, but watch this in verse 6. Bringing every thought to your obedience to Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Listen to the Amplified Bible. It says it like this. Being in readiness to punish every insubordinate for his disobedience when your submission and obedience as a church are fully secured and complete. Or in other words, God says, before you start judging the world, before you start criticizing everybody else, before you start pouring out everybody else's life, get your obedience lined up. Get your life right with God. When you're in that right position, then you walk in authority. Could I say, hear an amen this morning? That's what God calls us to. Now, if you would go with me to the next scripture, go with me to James chapter 4. This might take us more than one service to get through. James chapter 4. Amen. I just preach as long as the War Room movie. It's about an hour and 35 minutes or something like that. So you guys are good. Uh, somebody go get some popcorn. Amen. <laughs> James chapter 4, verse 7. So what? So, so listen, when your obedience, when your obedience is complete, then you'll walk in authority towards others outside. James says it like this. Therefore, verse 7, therefore submit to God. Submit to God. You're not going to win the battle of unbelief without a submitted life to the Lord. Submit to God, then resist the devil and he will flee from you. Authority comes after submission. You can't try to walk in submission and have authority over the devil. Go with me to Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5. Beginning in verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Everybody look up here just for another moment. Another area of unbelief that manifests itself is when you're caring for more things than you should. When you're worrying about more things than you should. When worrying and anxiety attack the life of the believer, it's connected to realms of unbelief. In the provision, the protection, and the promises of God. Amen. So look what he said. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Watch. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So you have an adversary looking for opportunity. Are you doing all right? He looks for opportunity. Now if you would go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verses 6 through 8. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Look at Paul said, I fought the good fight. So Christianity without a fight is not biblical Christianity. And so we need to know how to fight, how to war, because there's always an adversary. The adversary is always trying to take ground. He's always trying to advance in all of our lives, in so many different areas. And so you have, that's why the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, diligent, on, on, on guard, because your adversary goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Amen? And... and uh, in that area, or excuse me, I, I, I'm back at Paul. For I fought the fight, I have finished the race, I've kept the faith. Now why? Finally, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Somebody say that day. 
You know, that's an interesting study. I'll just throw this in. Someday you ought to study all the that days in the Bible because there's a lot of that days that haven't come yet that are still being fulfilled. The righteous judge will give me on that day, not to me only, but to also to those who have loved his appearing. Praise the Lord. One last verse. Go with me to Mark chapter 6. And guys, if you put that second slide up, I want you to see the, look at, there, there, Mark chapter 6 gives us the danger of unbelief. The danger of unbelief. Mark chapter 6, beginning verse 1. Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Somebody say church. Sabbath came, Jesus went to church. In church, he began to teach. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? So when the word of God is really declared, it goes contrary to religion. All right. And many hearing him were astonished. And, and what wisdom is this man given to him that with such mighty works are performed by his hand? Is not this the carpenter's son, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joses and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. You know, that same thing happens today. If the word gets too direct, people get offended and, and look for someplace else. Verse 4, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could not, now watch this, verse 5, now he could not do many mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. We're talking about the danger of unbelief. And, verse 6, and he marveled because of their unbelief. He marveled because of their unbelief. Now, please hear me this morning. I believe God is, is preaching a, and declaring a reviving word to the church globally. Not just our church. God is not just stirring me. He's stirring many pastors who have the boldness to preach the word of God, to declare the word of God as it should be preached in this hour. Amen. Amen. And so with that, but God is saying something to us. Here's our problem. When we read those scriptures, we say, oh, how could those people be like that and never examine ourselves? So I have to say, wait a minute, because if you really look at it in the church, there's not much going on except every now and then a few sick people get healed. We're not seeing mighty signs, wonders, and miracles. And the reason it didn't happen there was because of unbelief. It's the same reason today. And if we don't attack it, if we don't stand up and do warfare against it, that's all we're going to... And Jesus is still marveling. Why? Because the power of the Lord is present to heal. God's power, his provision is always fully present. But it's the seeds that the enemy has sown. When it says that the enemy comes and sows tares amongst the wheat, those aren't just people. Those are thoughts in your life. So there are thoughts that you have to war against to bring into captivity. Every time you doubt the word of God, you hear the word of God declared in truth. Yeah, but I know when you enter into reasoning, you've just entered into unbelief. And you have to war against that. You don't win a fight casually. The devil doesn't fight nice. He's a spiritual terrorist. And he uses people. He has, he, he, he has people that are like suicide bombers. They'll come in and destroy your life and they don't even care if they destroy theirs. It works that way. 
So watch this. And he marveled. So then he went out about the villages in a circuit teaching. Wow. So look at the cover of your outline, if you would. Look at this next slide. Put that third slide. The battle is within yourself. Faith versus unbelief. You're going to fight your own battle within yourself for your own faith over your own unbelief. My responsibility as your pastor is to try to equip you to kick some devil hiney. Amen. You, you, you ought to be looking for an opportunity to put a whooping on that boy. Amen. Because you have the authority. He's supposed to be under our feet. Amen. Zach Williams has a song entitled, if, if, you, if you never go, uh, uh, just go on wherever you get your music from and, 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 and uh, Google his song, Under My Feet. Maybe I should remind you that you're under my feet. Amen. It's just a powerful song. So watch this. There is a battle raging all around us, whether we know it or not. We only become aware of it when what we believe is challenged. This is not the battle of no belief, because all have faith. Everybody has a belief system, a core set of values, and a defined morality. That's the truth. Everybody says, well, I don't have any faith. You You have more faith than you can comprehend. The only place we question faith is when it comes to God. Think about all the things you have faith in. Every day that you have faith. Blind faith. Blind faith. But when it comes to believing God, well, God's going to have to prove that to me. You, he, he has to do the fleece thing. Well, I believe God, but before I obey God, I better put out a fleece and see if he can make it wet on top, dry on the bottom, dry on top, wet on the bottom. God, before I'm going to walk with you, God, you have to jump through some hoops. Perform for me, God, and I will believe you. He said, I'll report, perform for you on a place called Calvary. I already performed and declared my word and my love to you on a hill called Calvary. And if the crimson flow of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is not enough proof that God is on your side, he can't perform anything else any greater than that. Oh, you missed a good place to shout. Amen. So watch that. So we all have that. Everybody has that. We do not live in a non-spiritual society. The quest and the hunt to define our spirituality has never been higher. We do not live in a society without morals. We live in a society that wants morals without defined standards. That's where we live. A society where people are deeply entrenched in what they believe. What do we have? Look at what you're seeing right now. Everybody is entrenched in their belief system. And they have faith in their party and their this and their that and their stand. Whatever it is, they're entrenched in that by faith. The challenge comes, though, when we face the issues of life and they press us beyond our personal predetermined, what our personal predetermined faith can sustain. People are freaking out right now because some of their liberties are being challenged. Man, I might have to live by faith. I might really have to believe God. Not just talk about it. So what happens? Now we must look for a new source of faith. Because hear me, any faith will sustain you in times of peace. Any faith works when you have no problems. When you have no challenges. 
You see, when we come face to face with Jesus Christ, we find that true faith is to be as natural as breathing. True faith should be as natural as breathing. I mean, if Jesus walked in the room right now, physically walked in the room, you wouldn't doubt anything. But he's in this room right now. He's in you in his fullness. Of his fullness we have received. Elevation as a worship song. What would you do if he walked in the room? What would you say? What would you pray? What would you sing? What would you do if he walked in the room? You'd just praise Him. You'd magnify Him. You'd glorify Him. But see, we, we get all locked in. And like Thomas, we say, well, I don't care what you said. I'm not going to believe unless I can stick my hand in His thighs and see the print, nail print in His hand. I'm not going to believe until He proves Himself to me. Amen. But if you're in the presence of Jesus, Believe in Him. I mean, if you truly press into His prayer. Many times you wonder, why do I give an altar call? Why do I invite you to come? Because there's something about moving out of your condition, moving from where you are to a place of prayer is a step of faith. And says, God, I'm going to leave this behind. It, it, it's like laying on of hands. It's a touchstone moment where I'm going to get out of this place and get to this place where I'm just going to enter into His presence. I'm just going to look to look in the face of Jesus. Because the Bible says that in the face of Jesus, we are changed from glory to glory and when I'm seeing him and he's revealing himself to me faith is as easy as breathing hallelujah intimacy with Jesus is the cure for unbelief and the victory over every battle of unbelief the devil knows this and uses every tool at his disposal to discourage us and redirect our focus away from Christ he knows he wins when we allow our faith to yield to unbelief and we surrender to fear. If he can use discouragement, you have to purpose, I refuse to be discouraged. I refuse to agree with defeat. I refuse to accept anything except what the word of God has declared. Yeah, but I, it doesn't look like it's going your way. Who asked for your opinion? No, listen to what I'm saying. We, we, we keep trying to not offend anybody. And in the process of not offending anybody, we've given up the force of our faith. But it's time for us to say no more. Look inside your outline this morning. Are you doing all right? Yes. Amen. I hate the devil. No, I'm serious. I hate him with a godly passion. Why? Because he, he just deceives God's people. And he holds him in bondage. Look at what Jesus said. Jesus goes into church. And a woman comes in bound for 18 years. And he says, ought not this woman whom Satan has bound, this daughter of Abraham, this woman who has a covenant with Almighty God that declare she should not be this way, she should be free, but something has crept in to the church in such a way that this woman has remained bound for 18 years. And he said, I will not tolerate it. And he says, woman, be loosed from your infirmity. She stands up. 
What we do today is we have excuses for that. And we surrender and we, and we, and we accept defeat and we give ourselves over to enemies that we have every right to conquer. Are you doing all right? We, we quote all the right. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Amen, Pastor. Yes. <laughs> but do we fight for it? See, to be more than a conqueror means you, you have to have won a conquest. There had to be a conquest. There, there had to be an engagement. There had to be a battle, and you come out on the other side victorious. Are you doing okay? So watch this now. So we all must decide for ourselves. The choice is always ours to make. We will all personally have to determine what will be the source of our faith. We make this choice on our own. We all determine for ourselves who and what we will believe. Every one of us in this room, every one of you look up here, you're making your own choice. My, my, I, you're going to live your own life. I, I can't live for, by faith for you. Listen to what the Bible said. Jesus just the Bible just said like the just shall live by period. The just shall live by faith. Walk by faith and not by Well, you know, I saw somebody. Oh, just just do we have the slap line over here again? <laughs> Hear me. What you choose to believe becomes a foundation that we build our lives upon. What you choose, young people, listen to me. You're deciding right now what you're going to choose to believe. Every young person, and we're going to hit on this just a moment. We, we all decide what we're going to choose to believe. Well, I know mom and dad said that. I know mom and dad said that. I know mom and dad said that. Then when you get a little older, man, I'm sure wish I would have listened to what mom and dad said. And there's a reason for that because we've always been there and proved it ourselves and we try to help you not have to prove it through experience. See, we what we choose to believe becomes a foundation we build our life upon. But know this, the storms of life will test and prove your foundation. Go to Matthew chapter 7. This is what they said about Jesus. When we planted our church 31 years ago, I said, Lord, what do we call our church? Just praying. And we lit on this passage of scripture for naming our church. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Somebody say, does them. So hearing doesn't mean anything with that connected to doing is what James said. I will then liken him to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fail for it was founded on the rock. Now, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So it was that when Jesus had ended all these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as a scribe. Listen to what Jesus is saying. Whoever hears what I just said and does it will be wise. Whoever doesn't is a fool. I said, well, nobody ever preached like that to us before. Nobody no, 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 ever declared that their words were true and that's it. Everything else we've heard up to this point has come with options. 
which is we have scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees and we have all these different sects. That's where we are today. Church today, well, people go, well, how come there's so many de- um, denominations? How many so many different facts? Because people have made up all their own religion. And then that, in their tradition, they strip God of his authority. And so the church has no power and the world's not influenced by us at all. Shut me down when I'm preaching real good. So watch it. So Jesus declared that his voice was a voice of authority. He wasn't a suggestion. And see, the scribes of that, they said he teaches as one with authority, not as a scribe. Scribes were only allowed to repeat what they've been taught. You know what's hurt the church today? Is that we haven't taught men of God how to get on their face, how to get in the Word, and how to get a revelation and a Word from God and preach the heart of God to God's people. We've sent them to Bible college and seminary and all kinds of other places, and they come out just regurgitating what they've thought. And they're getting online, and they're getting sermons, getting everything else from people, and they're just repeating what they've been taught. They have no revelation knowledge. And that's what was happening in Jesus' day. Are you doing okay? So listen, you will have to settle for the truth. You have to settle the truth issue in your own life. Everyone tests the the validity of truth. We all test the validity of truth. It's not enough to be told it's true. We have to prove it to ourselves. Wet paint. Really? (laughs) No, really. We put the sign there because it's wet. But is it still wet? Is the sign still there? Hello? Don't touch that. It's hot. How hot? Don't taste that. It's terrible. Well, how bad could it be? And so we have to, we have to prove it to ourselves. And you go, I tried to tell you. This is terrible. I like that one Geico commercial with the raccoons. And they're eating the garbage, and one raccoon's eating it. It goes, oh, man, that's terrible. Try this. <laughs> no, it tastes like burnt nuts and shoelaces and something. Else. Just try it. I don't want to try it. No, try it. <laughs> so the question is not one of truth but rather the source of faith and truth that I will choose. What's going to be your source for faith and truth? That's what you're deciding, every one of you. You will decide your own source for faith and truth for your life. Faith and truth of our parents is old-fashioned. This is the fill-in-the-blank. We're in the 20s now. This is the 20s. That's outdated. This is the 50s, this is the 60s, this is the whatever. But now we're in this new millennium. You know, that's old stuff, that's outdated. I can find a better way. But what do we do? We end up returning to the faith of our fathers. Do you know what this is? This is the faith of our fathers. You know what? When you get back to this book, it never fails. And we get back and say, man, I wish I just would have listened. I wish I just would have listened. Amen? Now hear me. You cannot war in another man's faith. 
I, I, I will have faith for you. I will pray for you. I believe God to touch you through the laying on of hands in ministry. But the premium way for you to live your life is not needing another man's touch. It's warring by your own faith. Amen. That's God's will for your life. You can't warn another man's faith or armor. We must all live by our own faith to win the battle against unbelief. So hear me this morning. The Holy Spirit is always working aggressively in our lives with a rugged impatience against unbelief. Because he knows that unbelief opens the door to the wicked torments of fear. And we too easily fall into fear because we do not properly nourish ourselves in our faith. We used to say it all a long time ago. You have to feed your faith and starve your doubts. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the message contained in the word of God. It's not just to hear enough to hear the word. You have to hear what the word is saying. The, the Word of God says something to you. This is the Logos. But you have to hear the Word of God till it becomes a rhema, the, the, the life of God into your heart. And it gets planted in you. And it starts producing the life that it contains. Are you doing okay? You have to hear it on that level. Hallelujah. See, instead of absolute abandon and devotion to Christ, we self-adapt the, tr- adapt the truth of God's Word and the revelation of who Christ is really is to fit our own self-prescribed and self-defined meaning of faith in Christ. I'll read that to you again. Instead of absolute abandon and devotion to Christ, God, I believe your word. Jesus, I believe your word. I believe you saved it. You preserved it. You wrote it. You've got it down through the century. It was written over 3,000 years by, by over 60 different offers on three different countries in three different languages. Father, I believe your word. I believe it's your preserved living word of God. That's it. That settles it. Period. Instead of absolute and devotion and abandon to Christ. Let me just say that if, if I can't be absolutely devoted to the word, you cannot be absolutely devoted to Christ. You can't have a different devotion to the word than you have to Jesus. Because Jesus is the word made flesh. This word became flesh. God's spoken word, I shared it with you a couple months ago. God's spoken word is so powerful that a woman could say, be it unto me according to the word of God and conceive natural life in her womb and birth a living child by getting pregnant with a word. That's what we believe. That God's word entered the womb of a virgin, and in that virgin womb, life was, con- life was conceived and brought forth the living Son of God. What happens when my faith in God's word believes that it can get in my heart and produce everything it says? I hanky myself. <laughs> so what happens? 
We self-adapt the truth of God's word. We self, hear me, we self-adapt the truth of God's word and the revelation of who Christ really is to fit into our self-prescribed and self-defined meaning of faith in Christ. If I asked you, what does it mean to be a Christian? You're going to give me your self-prescribed meaning of that. And when we lose the battle, when, when our self-defined meaning of faith doesn't produce and we lose the battle, we give in to fear and voluntarily surrender to an enemy that we could have conquered. Put up David and Goliath, guys. Goliath came out and said, I defy the armies of God. And all of Israel, who is in covenant with God, cowered down and hid for 40 days. Until a teenager bringing lunch to his brothers on the battlefield heard the defiance of this uncircumcised, uncovenanted man defying God's people. Threatening and challenging them, declaring to put them into servitude and bondage. And everybody is hiding in fear. But one young man who had spent time in the face of his God on a hill, worshiping, praising, praising God, magnifying God, comes out that has faith operating as natural in his life as his breath. And he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the army of God. Be strong in the Lord and in power of his might. And David comes out on that day of battle and he says, you come at me with a sword and a spear. I come at you in the name of the Lord. This day God will deliver you into my hand and I will take your head from off of your body. You don't have a sword. That's because you're holding my sword and in just a minute I'm going to take it up. And so one boy with faith in God, as natural as his breath, was able to believe that a sling and a stone could defy the giant instead of a whole nation that had voluntarily given up to an enemy that they should have conquered. I'm declaring to you today, it's time for the body of Christ to quit cowering down. God is not trying to raise up a David. He's trying to raise up the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We keep waiting for God to raise up one man. He's getting ready to raise up the one man called the church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. The battle is always connected to how you will live and who you will believe. The battle is always connected to how you're going to live and who you're going to believe. Well, I know the Bible says that, but okay, just sign up for defeat. Amen. The battle rages in two directions. One says you must accept what I believe. The other says, what's wrong with what I believe? Neither one is correct. Neither one is correct. The test is which one can deliver. Which one can deliver? Which one can answer? First Kings. This is what Elijah said. 
He says, this is, we'll find out whose God can answer. We'll find out which belief system provides an answer. He says, this is what we'll do. We'll all call upon our God. And the one who answers by fire. That's who God is. And there's only one God who can answer. Are you with me? See, the question is, here we are today, guys. The question is, did Jesus only come to make us morally better? To provide a platform for our ideas of what needs to be changed? Or did he come to prove that regardless of your belief, you cannot save yourself? You need a savior. Every person in this room, everybody watching on the internet, however you're, you need a savior. Jesus came to prove you need a savior. Did he come so we could just add faith to our lives? No, we already have faith. Amen. Everything you buy to eat, you eat by faith. Everything. Unless you've grown everything and you've gone Amish or something. <laughs> Unless you grow it on, pack it yourself. Somebody packed it, somebody put it, and you just eat it by faith. And, and that, I live by this. If you eat any deadly thing, it, there's a reason that's in the Bible. If you, <laughs> if you eat any deadly thing, it shall not harm you. Amen. Anybody going out to lunch today? Amen. Are you going to go in the kitchen and ask to see their, their, their inspection report? You want to see their health certificate? You want to see everything else? You want to see how they refrigerate the food? You want to see if the guy has, you know, if he's... No, he's just going to come in and go, that's so good. You suck it down by faith. Everything. Everything. We have faith. He didn't come to give us, but we have faith. He just came so you would put your faith in the right direction. What did Jesus say in Mark chapter 11? He spoke to the three disciples. This is what Jesus said. He didn't tell them to get faith. He just said, Mark 11, have faith in God. Quit doubting God. What would happen if you believed God with as much trust as you trust a restaurant? Just that area. What if you believe God as much trust as you trust the airlines? We flew back and forth from Pennsylvania. Most of you, how many sleep when you get on a plane? No, put your hand up real high. You sleep, you get on a plane. Look at that. All you crazy people. <laughs> Do you stand at the cockpit door? Is everything okay in there? Is it going all right? You guys still awake? Everything okay? <laughs> Stewardess, go check on those guys. No, you're... <sighs> <laughs> we have faith Jesus came to reveal faith that pleases God and touches and heals the hearts and wounds of God's creation you're called to walk by a faith in God that reveals God to his creation amen think about the woman at the well she's just like us she had her own belief system. Jesus begins to reveal himself to her. What's she do? Oh, yeah, well, you guys worship down there. We worship up here. We know this and we know that. And she started, just started discussing the different forms of worship. She, she had a set belief system. 
Jesus went in the synagogue. They all have, look at all these areas. The woman at the well. The woman with the issue of blood. The woman bound for 18 years. These are all areas where Jesus, by faith, came and ministered and revealed the compassion and the care of God, revealing God's love and compassion to people. Think about the multitude that, that, that he were moved. Jesus would move with compassion. So the question is, wasn't there a belief system when Jesus came if the worship team comes back? Didn't people go to church in that day? Absolutely. Jesus began his ministry going into church. Luke 4, 18. Jesus is in the synagogue of Galilee. He begins to open the book. They give him the book. He starts reading the scripture. And then he says something crazy. This day, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel, to bring recovery of sight to the blind, to heal the brokenhearted, to set captives free, to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. And so they run him out of town and tried to throw him off a cliff. For declaring with authority the word of God in the middle of their religious tradition. Matthew 15, I don't have time to read it, says that Jesus is there and they're questioning him. By what power, by what authority do you do this? Now we don't know. By what power, by what authority do you do this? That's when Jesus said, I'll tell you. If you tell me where John's baptism came from. So they knew that he was speaking with authority. Amen? So important. The question is still the same. Who can answer? The religious leaders of his day had no answer, just the same as the prophets of Baal. So the question is, who can answer? When put to the test, only one God can answer, the living God. That close. Go with me to Luke chapter 20. Just helping you today. I hope you understand my heart. It has bothered me all my life. All my born-again ministry time serving God. It bothers me that we so easily surrender when we could have won the victory. But it costs something to win. See, you've been conditioned by this world to think that everything is just given to you. That everything just comes to you like this. Everything's easy, especially in America. We've lost the value of pressing into His presence, spending time in the presence of God. Now, this won't apply a lot to our youth, but it will apply to some of you. How how, how many remember Sunday night services and hours at the altar? Pressing into the presence of God. How many remember what, what God would do and things would happen in those times? So watch, watch what the world has done to the church. It's taken the church from having regular meetings and, and meeting and Sunday morning meetings and Sunday night meetings and midweek meetings and other devotional meetings and times of gathering down to one little slot on a Sunday morning. And we, just like everybody else, what do we do? We, we conform, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat, we've done the same thing. Because you, you want you, you, to, what do we have to do to get people in? What do we have to give up? What, what, what consolations do we have to make to get people in here? Instead of just preaching, Lord, I'm just going to declare the truth to whoever walks through these doors. Are you doing all right? And so people have lost the passion to press into God's presence. Spend time at an altar to seek His face. But you only get faith that's as natural as breathing by spending time in His face. 
intimacy with him that flows out of an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ I spent 41 years with my wife I know her and she knows me we have an intimate face to face relationship we know each other's hearts and thoughts and how we think that's supposed to be the reason God made marriage is to show you how you're supposed to know him you're supposed to have an intimate relationship of connection that is a face-to-face relationship. And you nurture it and you keep it. And marriages fail because people lose intimacy and they no longer desire face-to-face. They no longer want to invest the time. They begin to take for granted the affection of the other. And when the church takes for granted the affection of its God, It loses its intimacy with him. And we lose our faith. And we surrender to an enemy we should have conquered. Luke 20, verses 1 through 8. Now it happened in one of those days that he taught the people in the temple in church. The gospel and the chief priests and the scribes came together and spoke to him saying, Tell us, what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? But he answered them and said, one thing, I will ask you the baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? And they reasoned amongst themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why then did you not believe him? If we say from men, all the people will stone us, for they have persuaded that John was a prophet. So they answered that they did not know. And Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So in that same area there, Jesus, people recognized he had authority. They just didn't want to submit to it. They didn't want to be challenged, what they believed to be challenged. That's where you and I live. When you hear the word of God, that's exactly what it does. It challenges you. It challenges me. I live in this just like you. That's why I tell you, I'm anointed to preach this. I'm not anointed to live this. I walk out of here today, I'm going to be in the same battle right with you. Amen? This is where we live. Hallelujah. So what about today? We all shape our own belief system. The world around you wants to define yours. You're going to have to resist it. But we need to know that God still answers. You don't have to prove the faith of your fathers was right. You just have to walk by faith. Fighting through the unbelief will give you the victory that true faith produces. Living by faith and warring against unbelief means living and doing the things that are pleasing in God's sight. Our faith must be more than a moral soapbox to promote our convictions to the world upon to hear that we love our soapboxes but we're not out called to do that the church has always grown and flourished when facing persecution and adversity her face shines the brightest in the darkest hours the church multiplied in Jerusalem under persecution the church is multiplying in Iran right now under severe persecution church is still multiplying in repressed and, and forbidden areas because it's under persecution and faith is stronger than ever before There's more to Christianity than just a few liberties we think we have lost or could lose, guys. There's more to this than what we really think that state with whatever happens in America. Here's my question. What brought Mary to the tomb? Resurrection morn, Mary was at the tomb because she had had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. She believed what he said, that if he, he would rise again. She was sold out belief. 
and her faith took her there to the tomb. And the first person Jesus showed himself to was that woman who was at the tomb because of the relationship she had with him. Jesus said to Martha, do you believe this? And that's the question we have. Do I have that kind of relationship? Would my relationship have taken me to that tomb? Jesus said to Martha, do you believe this? Like Martha, we all face the challenge of being between knowing what God can do and what he will do. Everybody look up here just for a minute. I hear this all the time. I know what God can do. I'm just not sure what he will do. Instead of just saying, I know what God will do and camping there and staying there. Now watch it, watch it. Hebrews chapter 11 is a great passage of scripture. Because it gives you a thing where not everybody got the promise, but it makes an amazing declaration over them. It says, these all died in faith believing. Not having received the promise, they died in faith believing. They died in faith believing. Even though they didn't receive their children, even though some of them were sawn in sunder, even though some of them were marked, they died in faith believing. I choose to live by faith and if necessary to die in faith believing. But that only happens out of a relationship with Jesus that comes from a face-to-face encounter with Him. Stand to your feet with me this morning. Like Martha, we all face the challenge between knowing what God can do and what He will do in the response to our need. And this challenge can only be conquered through true intimacy with Christ. So let me ask you today, what is your ordeal of doubt? What is the overwhelming circumstance in your life that is challenging your faith and your program of belief? What's challenging you? The only way to believe and win the battle against unbelief is to commit. To declare, I commit myself personally to the Lord Jesus Christ and determine that in all things, I will be dominated by Him alone and nothing else. Lord, I I don't have to understand. Understanding comes on the other side of believing. You don't understand and then believe. You believe And then you understand. I believe God. I just believe God. I choose to believe God. And having done all, I choose to stand. Having done all, stand in the Lord, in the power of His might. Be strong in Him. I'm asking you just to bow your heads for a moment. And while your heads are bowed, if you need a moment in the face of Jesus and there's something in the realm of unbelief that you need to lay at an altar and let go of, then while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm just asking you to step out of where you are and find a place right here at this altar today. If there's any way where the enemy has gained a foothold in unbelief and doubt and operating in your life, whatever your ordeal is, whatever that challenge is, 
Just believe God, no matter what it is. It should just be, God, this has come, but I know who you are. I know you're not finished with my life. God, this too shall pass. I'm going to believe to see the glory of God. David said it like this, I would have perished if I had not believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. God, I'm going to lay this thing at the altar today. I'm not going to allow the enemy to have another foothold. I refuse to be conquered by an enemy that I have authority over. So if there's any area that you need to let go, if you're ready to say, God, I, I, need, I know I'm going to need faith in this season. I know it's going to take more than just casual Christianity. I want to be a man, a woman of faith, and just come and find a place of prayer. This is you and God. It's your decision, your battle. You choose what you live by. But the Bible says the just shall live by faith. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We worship you. We worship you. And there's something so powerful about an altar. God meets his people at an altar. Just Romans 12, I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that present your bodies as a living sacrifice. The sacrifices were placed upon the altar. God, I'm not going to allow these thoughts anymore to reign in my mind. There's some thoughts that have been exalting themselves against the knowledge of God. There's some reasonings that have been in my mind. Every time the Holy Spirit tries to lead me in faith, all these reasonings come up. All these doubts and confusions come up. And I find myself and I just feel stressed. God doesn't, God never brings stress into your life. The Holy Spirit brings peace into your life. The kingdom of God, listen to what Paul said, the kingdom of God is not in food or drink. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom. Somebody else needs to move right now. Don't give the devil. The Bible says resist him. Submit yourself to God. Just to come and to kneel before. Come on, if Jesus was right here this morning, if Jesus physically walked into the room, every one of us would fall at his feet. Every one of us would sense an area that needs to be released unto him. Father, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. God, I've doubted you in this area. How could I doubt? Peter in the boat, as Jesus said, he said, throw out your net and catch a great drop. Peter said, oh, Lord, we fished all night. We couldn't catch anything. We're professional fishermen. I know you're a great teacher, but we're the professionals in this boat. But, but you know what? Just because you said so, I'll throw my net out over here and just do a little religious thing for you. Just to appease you and make you feel good. And he catches a great trot of fish. And then he falls down before the Lord and says, forgive me, God. I'm a sinner. We do the same thing. We hear the word of the Lord and, and, and we say, oh, that's, that's good. The Bible's good. Everything's good. But then we have our, we're the professionals about life. And we just do some little appeasing act. And God manifests His glory. Something powerful happens. We say yes to God. Come on, just press in. Come on, it's your heart. You're just going face to face with Him. I'm just encouraging you to press in. Press in. Press in. Hallelujah. Press in. Press in. Let it go. Lay that unbelief right here. Leave it all right here. God, we're committing ourselves to you. We defeat unbelief. The commitment. The only way to battle is to commit. Just tell him, I commit myself personally to you. I'm going to determine that in all things. I will be dominated by you alone, nothing else. Lord, I'll never again let anything else dominate me that's contrary to who you are in me. 
and what your word has declared to me. In Jesus' name.